Hello and welcome to DDK Talks Esports episode 10. Now there's a couple things to go through before we get into the episode and the first of which is a reminder that you can listen to this on iTunes and iOS or a variety of podcast apps for Android as well as Spotify and YouTube. I just wanted to raise awareness because I know that 70 to 80% and judging by my research of you do listen through YouTube and YouTube is obviously a great platform for on-the-go listening and obviously this is audio only and a podcast format and the strength is on-the-go listening so just wanted to you know make the awareness happen there in case that could be a preferred platform for some of you. Now secondly and lastly before we get into it um, obviously this is going to be a solo episode where I just talk about some stuff with psychology just a bit on the fly because I was supposed to be recording with somebody else today and it fell through and this has happened a lot recently like I've had a lot of cancellations and my schedule itself is really busy so it's very hard for me to be flexible at the moment uh, so that has led to this dry spell and I wanted to be very clear that this dry spell is not anything to do with a lack of motivation to do this podcast I'm still very much into doing this project and to finding ways to continue doing the project and uh, you know, as a strategy to mitigate this, for, I imagine it's probably going to happen in the future that either, either I'll be too busy or there will be a series of cancellations that could cause this issue. Uh, some strategies that I have is is to try to really do more uh, while I'm at events and I have E-League coming up, so um, that's going to be a great opportunity, I hope. I think the schedule is going to be pretty forgiving. Uh, the schedule that we've had at the Miners has been very unforgiving for me to be able to do anything podcast related during them. Uh, but E-League should be different. So at E-League, I should... Uh, well, I'm going to be trying to schedule and do a bunch as much as I can to backlog some content, which is the second way I'm going to mitigate this issue in the future by just like backlogging stuff. So uh, hopefully it's not too much of an issue and you guys are still enjoying all the content and I will keep making it. So I'm my aim, like my personal goal with this is to get to at least 100 episodes before I, before I like think to myself, all right, is this something that I want to stop or is this something that I don't want to stop? And 100 might sound like a lot, but we're already on 10. And I think that 100 is going to be a really good, good, uh, good jaunt. And I think it's going to be a, a journey where by that 100th episode, I will have improved a lot as a podcast host. And I would also, I will also have, I think by that point, diversified the content in a really cool way. I've got some cool ideas that uh, I won't too talk, talk too much about at the moment. Uh, that, the other thing I did learn as well is that I should probably refrain from naming names when it comes to guests I want to have because of this cancellation issue. So that's another thing I'm going to stop doing because I was like, just I wanted to generate the hype and I was getting hyped myself. And so that's why I was doing it. But I've learned, learned my lesson. So with that said, it's time to get into it. So in lieu of a guest, I am guestless. In lieu of a guest, I will be talking about some observations I have made in psychology. And for whatever reason, it seems to be one of the most popular topics that I address in my content. And I'm always asked to talk about these kinds of things more within the esports context, maybe because uh, there's not too many people giving love to this topic uh, as far as content creators are concerned in esports. But I'll go with some observations. And again, uh, this is very much on the spot as I was expecting to have a guest now, but I'm I'm confident I can can get something interesting here for you. So the first thing which I think is really curious, and so I wanted to start with this, is somewhat paradoxical in nature. 
And that is the the paradox of, I would say, well, it's what I've called constructive self-delusion or positive self-delusion. I don't know if there is a any other term for this. But effectively, you know, what I began to realize as a competitor myself is that I, I started to realize that I had to, on the server, on the when I was in the arena against my opponent in this competitive environment, even if the a guy opposite me, I could objectively state was better. Like he has all the, like, you know, he was, let's say, you know, just for example, say this guy's ranked number one and I'm ranked number 10 or something. And this guy's won everything and I've won nothing. And so we way more experienced and this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, so, so objectively, I know that this person is better than me, a lot better than me, perhaps. But when I'm facing him, I need to not have that belief because it will effectively become a self-fulfilling prophecy and it will create a lot of barriers and it will not serve as, an, a, as a proper defense to pressure. What will, however, serve as a proper defense to pressure is arrogance. Like, I think one strategy that is effective, it might not necessarily be the optimal one, but it's, it's one of the better ones that I've come across is a level of extreme arrogance to the degree that you also need to, well, you need to, of course, play the game correctly. And that's obviously what practice is for. But when you're on the, when you're on the server, you need to have a level of arrogance that is, is pretty extraordinary. And it's just this level of self-belief that is so overwhelming. It quashes as much doubts that could creep in as possible. Because when you start getting into an environment where pressure is an issue, that can, that can be a really big problem. Now, I'm talking with regards to this on, like with my experience on something that is much more individual because performance in Quake and even in the, in the team modes, as well as, you know, 1v1, of course, it's much more individual and there's less variance. Your fate is a little bit more in your hands than it is in a game of Counter-Strike um, where you're 5v5 and you know, there's a lot more factors going on that can really take con the control out of your hands, which is where the problems start to happen for players from a psychological perspective. But getting back into the topic at hand, um, I really do believe that you know holding this mindset of arrogance is really important. But where does the paradox come into, into mind, you might be asking? And the paradox is the fact that when you're off of the server, the most effective way to improve and to motivate yourself to improve, to incentivize yourself to improve, is by holding a mindset of humility, uh, maybe extreme humility, in fact, uh, to a certain degree, because you need to be watching everyone. What are your opponents doing? And you have to respect them enough as good opponents to feel like you're motivated to do that. And you have to feel like there's a reward system here that you're in, and, and a reward system incentivizes you, encourages you, motivates you, inspires you to then go and do the work to watch these people, to like make sure that you yourself do not rest on your laurels, to motivate you to, to put in the work to, because you respect that everyone else around you is amazing and so very good. And at any point, you know, um, they could all, you know, be cr you know, they could all crush you because you feel like they're so close in skill, and that, that level of humility will keep you working. Um, so that's like a good, uh, an effective mindset when you're off the when you're off of the when you're out of the competition. And so you can see these two mindsets are completely just opposite to one another. So this is why I, I sort of call it like this paradox, and and uh, why it's interesting because. Obviously, in the face of something that's objective, like you, like being up against a better player or team, you you have to believe that you're something that you're objectively not. So I find that to be very interesting. But I think no one really encapsulated it more when I looked at interviews and and so on in CS that more than Olaf Meister perhaps, who in the year in which he was being called the best player, I think there was a there was an interview where he said, 
I, th I think the, the question was, you know, how does it feel being the best player, being called the best player, uh, or being the best player in the Counter-Strike? And his answer was, I don't believe I'm the best, but I don't believe there's anyone better than me. And that is just so insightful. I, don't, I feel like that insight was lost on a lot of people, maybe. That, that was an amazing answer from Olaf Meister, because it really encapsulates this idea that to be the best, you have to also recognize that everyone else can be the best. Uh, like this, this, this crazy sort of idea of in, instead of like instead of like being some instead of like a self-deprecating answer where he's like, well, you know, everyone's like really good, and you know, I've had like so, like some days I've had like I play like really well, but like these guys like all oh, that guy's all super good, and like if that guy has his day, you know, he can be really good. Instead of like this like really humble answer like that, he's got like the mix. He's like, I'm not the best, but there's no one better than me. You know, I think that's that's just so cool to me. Anyway, sort of. <laughs> so you may be wondering, you know, in which ways you can uh, achieve some of these mindsets. And I think, you know, it's it's a lot of it is just awareness when it comes to a mindset because it's about putting it into practice. It's about creating reference points, and reference points come from putting it into practice and just doing it and just just really understanding that that's just really how it has to be, and, you, and just cultivating the idea that anything that happens, you know, when you're on this journey of trying to become the best player, for example, you have to frame it in a way that comes back to these mindsets. That's that's really how it works. So for example, instead of like having a week of losing games and, and where you maybe let's say let's say having a week where your aim is off. What you what you do there is you think, okay, well, actually, you know, my aim has been off this week, but you know, that's not really been the reason why I am losing. This is not a sign of me not improving. Because one thing that you 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 can say that you know about yourself in this instance is that if I feel like I'm not improving, then there's a really big problem. And you know that if you, like one thing that you can also know is if I'm improving, like that if the more hours I put into the game, I'm improving. Like that's something that you know will happen. Um, and you also know that you may not see that improvement immediately. So with all these things in mind, you then have to use those to frame this like terrible week or month that you've had or down period that you've had in, into a positive way that will help to inspire you to continue to be creative, to continue to enjoy the process because that is the most effective way to get to the result that you want, which is to be the best player. And so in this way, it can be really important to have the that kind of positive mindset um, by default. And some people are negatively, are tuned sort of negatively by default. And not everyone is able to have the sort of self-awareness to change these things. But I think that if you do, I think that's all that really is required is self-awareness. So if you have self-awareness, you can pretty much change anything, like more or less anything about yourself. It just requires a lot of work because to, to cultivate a new behavior, to habituate a new behavior, you have to take actions that will reinforce that behavior. So that these, you have to do things that manifest themselves uh, in the world um, that will be a, a straight reference to that behavior that you're trying to create. So it's, it is possible, but it's just a lot of work. So talking about the next topic, which is achievement, I think, you know, this is a really interesting one because this is, I mean, this really is fascinating. Like there's so many things going on when it comes to sort of fine tuning our brains for achieving what we want to achieve because there's a lot of obstacles. And so we really have to unpack what's going on and it's very difficult to, to do that. So one of the ways we can do it is to sort of again, tackle, like, what do we know about, what observations can we reliably make about ourselves when, when you know, put up against certain situations? So in a situation where you have to get a bachelor's degree, 
right? That's that's a four year commitment. It's going to be pretty hard to motivate yourself to study every day because you know start, and you're going to rather play a video game than you are going to want to study in a lot of cases. If someone gave you those two choices with no repercussions, you'd probably pick the one that elicits uh, the most uh, rewards, which is video game. I mean, any video game developer worth their salt will be thinking about the human reward systems. And so, you know, it's much like a dog, right? A dog, a very high value thing for a dog is food because dogs are sort of just concerned with survival, really. And that is partly the case for us as well. And that's actually why there is such a schism in our brains, which we have to tackle. Um, uh, and But going back to the dog for a, for a moment, um, the dog is going to be... Like, the, the dog's uh, behavior will be modulated, will be um, can can be altered by giving it food as a reward for certain behaviors. And so, I think the human beings are very similar. And you know, once you start to unpack and understand sort of how our the flaws in our psychology works, as well as um, things that may, maybe just are facts of our psychology, um, you get to then put yourself in positions where you can manipulate it better to your own advantages. So, in this example we can understand that the deep gratification activity, that is any activity that takes a long time to achieve something and in which, we're, in which we have to have a lot of faith in the outcome and that outcome is very far away and we can't see the reward until you know it is you know happening in, in, way into the future. That is really difficult. That's like, it's really difficult. Like we cannot conceptualize. I cannot conceptualize more than bloody two days <laughs> probably uh more than in two days into the future so um let alone you know three months or three years that's very difficult but you know, if we look at you know activities which are really rewarding are really fun we look at you know video games you know for example like let's say world of warcraft or whatever um, one of the reasons we can see that that game is really enjoyable is because what it has done is it's created a system of instant gratification of just a series of just instantly gratifying uh things so you know, you, you do a quest, okay, you picked up three things. Okay, now you go and deliver those three things to the guy. The guy gives you some gold, he gives you some experience, and he gives you some items. And and maybe you leveled up, now you have a new ability. Maybe you are two quests away from going to the next area with new enemies, something new to do with your friends, new instances, or maybe, you know, that gold will actually buy a new item, or maybe the item that you got is like really cool and you want to try it out. Uh, or maybe like hitting the enemy is is going to feel good because of the way they've designed it. It's going to have like this nice like thwack and it's going to be very visceral. It's going to feel good. So look at how many sort of rewards uh, rewards there are for you just immediately. So and and it's it's very similar. This is actually why, for example, I think working out is really addictive to a lot of people because working out is it, it very effectively marries marries both of these ideas: the gratification and instant gratification. Because when you work out every single workout you feel like you've achieved something because that's what that's what that example of what a walk really is doing it's showing you that progress you're making progress you're making progress you can see the progress it's super visible and in the gym as well it's like you you, you get a sweat you get a a natural reward of the body re releasing the chemical of endorphins into your system which is it is like just getting a little mini high and then you know you feel as though like you feel good in your body like your body has reward systems for expend expending effort um, which is linked to, I think, I think I read a study about this a long time ago. It's like linked to, um, it's, it's supposed to encourage us to want to hunt um, because we were like, again, this is a bit of a digression, but uh, the way that we would hunt um, initially before we were able to create tools was called persistence hunting in which we would, we would because we can sweat, we were able to run for much longer distances than animals that cannot sweat, which I don't know if there's any other mammals that sweat, um, but except us, 
So we would just run stuff down. We would be able to sweat and release the heat. We wouldn't overheat. But then like the, the buffalo, whatever the hell it was that we were chasing, would then eventually overheat. And in its overheating, it would just collapse and then we kill it and eat it. Brilliant. So we get rewarded for that uh, process. Um, same thing for with sex. I imagine like, you know, with sex and, you know, you have all these like chemicals and hormones, like, you know, you get endorphins, you get like, uh, was it, was it um, oxytocin? Is that the one? It's like the love hormones is released. Like you get all these natural reward systems, right? So everything in life is sort of based around these incentives, uh, with these rewards. Um, so so then, then like with this knowledge, you can start to think about, okay, what rewards can I give myself when it comes to a deep, deeply gratifying activity? So uh, like, how can I make that better for myself? So you can sort of manipulate it in that way. So like one of the ways you can do this is like by chunking, just you, you take an enormous task and you break it down into small chunks. So now in, in Counter-Strike, you know, instead of just like grinding Counter-Strike week in, week out, looking to become a better player just by grinding, 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 playing matchmaking and nothing else, not thinking about anything else, what you start to do is, all right, let's, uh, let's play one map. Like let's, let's like focus on a couple maps. Let's focus on like a few roles. Like so, and a few and a couple of positions. Let's look at some demos of some players who play those positions really well. Let's look at you know the kinds of weapons I'm going to be using, and let's look at the kind of techniques. Okay, this week I'm gonna because I want to like improve my technique with this one gun. I'm gonna practice like mostly like like two or three bullet bursting with a with an M4 and on aimbots like for 20 minutes to like really start to like get my movement down like let's practice my movement when i'm when i'm shooting you know like breaking the, this enormous task down into small little uh, bits like is one way to really do it and because then you can focus better and you can really see where the improvement and where the progress is going to happen because you're specifically um, breaking something down so that's very very useful um, when it comes to to approaching this and it's also um, really cool as well because you know practicing um these ideas really leads into other very cool ideas from a psychology perspective, uh, like mindfulness, for example. And obviously, you know, this is a, an interesting idea that's used or talked about when it comes to, you know, what a team is doing when they're, you know, 15, seven down or something. And it's like, okay, it's one run at a time. You know, we, we hear that all the time on broadcast and it really is like that. That's how you have to think about it. You think about it one run at a time and you think about it that way because the whole context of the match is completely meaningless to you. All that you need to think about, all you need to care about is making the best decision in any given moment. Like, because if you, as soon as you sort of connect yourself to the entire context of the match, you're just opening yourself up to pressure, you're opening yourself up to all kinds of problems, and you have so many more distractions now that can impact your focus. And if, you, if your focus is impacted, we know that this will um, bring more of your sort of thoughts into, or it'll, it'll bring your consciousness more into, well, it'll bring you more into your conscious, like your very conscious hyperconscious sort of state of being which is really bad when it comes to performance that's something that we know as well if you've ever hit the the zone if you've ever had a fab flow state as they call it as well in psychology then you're you've experienced what it's like to have your peak performance and what's happening when you're in flow state you're not even thinking it's, it's like your subconscious is doing everything you're just going on autopilot and what's happening when there's pressure you're the opposite happens you go into this mode where you feel like very conscious everything sort of slows down but in the wrong way it slows down because you're entering like the very low bandwidth part of your brain um, which is the part of your brain which is like conscious consciously thinking and so on um, so it's it's really difficult i think to sort of strike that balance but it's it's much easier once you're aware of it because once you're aware of it you can start to take practices and start to develop habits and and you sort of have a starting point as to where to look and how to 
act to help you like help yourself prepare for these these uh, instances so um so we've covered achievement we covered mindfulness we covered um we covered the uh, constructive self-delusion um i think that might about do it really for this uh this little jaunt there's there's a few other things but i don't want to splurge everything at once so i hope that was you know somewhat enjoyable just talking out some of those topics and if you have any questions please leave them down below if you have any other topics that you'd like me to cover in, in a similar nature i would be more than happy to to welcome them if, they, if i find them to be interesting and uh, i appreciate it so thank you very much for listening and i'll catch you guys on the next one